The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today to discuss what happened in Brazil almost on the anniversary of January 6th is Professor Ruth Bengat. You know her because she was here during our special week on fascism and she is the author of the book Strong Men. Good morning. I wish we didn't have to talk so often. I know. (laughs) This is a sign of our times. Yeah. um, I feel like um, since we last chatted in our fascism week, I I, I feel like now that I should go back and re-listen to our conversation. Um, It it just occurred to me because of of what happened in Brazil. So I wanted to start there because I think that you know, when I saw the images and the news coming out of Brazil, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, looks exactly like January 6th here in the United States. Um, it almost happened on the day, you know, to the day, two years to the day, um, although the meaning of the date it did happen in Brazil, it's specific to Brazil. But take us through from your perspective as an expert on fascism, some of the similarities that you see. Yeah, so you you have a strong man who uh, did his best to, um, you know, dismantle democracy and also had a huge personality cult. And this is important because those personality cults can linger, as we saw with Trump, um, way after these people leave office. And the key is that they, especially if they claim that the election that cause them to leave is fraudulent. And this allows them to appear still the winner to their, their, you know, devoted followers. And then these guys know how to use propaganda and emotions, and they keep their followers in a state of agitation, so that they can call on them when they need to. And lo and behold, you had January 6th, and you also had, you know, of course, January 8th in Brazil. The big one of the big differences is obviously <clears throat> Bolsonaro was no longer in office, indeed, not even in the country. And he's he's not just there, you know, sulking. It was fun to watch him eating at KFC in Florida. But he's there because, like all strongmen, he's very corrupt and he's a subject in several investigations. Mm-hmm. And reading the Italian press, I saw that his sons, two of his sons, are trying to get Italian citizenship. So this is a sign of, like, they don't want to hang around either because they're all corrupt and guilty. <clears throat> that is a really important point. I mean, I think that I did see the same images of him sort of moseying about. I mean, like, he was in a <clears throat> grocery store in one of the videos I saw just walking yeah. around, you know, and there's a whole 
insurrection happening um, in Brazil at the same moment. So it was it was quite a contrast in images. But I think it's important to note he's only you know walking around in Florida because of these ongoing investigations. When you think about the idea that none of what we saw is a surprise, right? You just Mm -hmm. explained that this is, there's a personality cult that exists um, long after the person leaves, right? So we, we saw that happen here. We've seen that in other examples, obviously in your book, Um, you are helping us understand the history here, but it feels like it's predictable. So why are we not able to prevent and how yeah. could we prevent something like this from developing when we know how sort of it unfolds this way? Because it's always different, you know, and every it's one of the things that was sad when I did my research is I found that every people who is in this situation is surprised. <laughs> so so and and when I say every every time is different. When, when strongmen come into office, the first thing they do is to start cultivating all the extremists. And in the States, we know that, you know, Trump had made this big tent for all the racists. Then neo-Nazis were a new addition. No president had openly cultivated neo-Nazis. And we know that story. And they all showed up at January 6th, and he radicalized the GOP. In Brazil, and this is really important to understand what's going on, um, they had a 21-year military dictatorship that started with a coup, a military coup. And it only ended in 1985. So there are millions of people, including Lula, the president, who lived through this, new people who were disappeared or tortured. <laughs> and this is why not only the key authorities really united, had a united front to certify the Brazilian election quickly, but it's why they've cracked down immediately in ways that they didn't do after January 6 here. So the very powerful governor of Brasilia, which is the area where this happened, who's a Bolsonaro, a Bolsonaro ally, he was immediately suspended for 90 days. <laughs> because my one of my mantras about coups, and a third of my book is on coups, mm-hmm. is some have to act and some have to stand down so the operation can proceed. So Lula immediately said in a press conference, oh, parts of the police force cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. And they'll do their investigations, but it's pretty clear that this couldn't have happened without the collaboration of the military police. So that's why the guy was suspended. But that memory of the dictatorship, they know very well what this can lead to. <laughs> if it's not nipped <clears throat> nipped in the bud and prevented. So we're watching, to answer your question, what you need to do to prevent things that none of that happened here. That is a, a, a really, really important point. And I want to I want to unpack that, because what you what you just explained is basically that somebody who was put in place that was an ally of the person that you know, supporters of this <clears throat> Bolsonaro are the one that, that did the insurrection. I'm just sort of like trying to explain it in simple yeah. terms. So an yeah. ally of him was taken off the job because they're like, we can't trust this guy because he's an ally of the guy who um, all of the supporters did the insurrection. The equivalent of that would be here doing something um, about the members of Congress or well, people the, who are this, in this, positions of leadership. This, this governor had oversight for 
the police forces in his area. And his area is where the government buildings are, Brasilia. Mm-hmm. So he is being, he's suspended while they figure out whether he, you know, again, had derelict, it's called dereliction of duty. When mm-hmm. you don't do your duty, you don't, or you conspire. They're trying to figure this out. That's for them to do. But the equivalent would have been to suspend those who were in charge of uh, not having in re- any reinforcements mm-hmm. come to help the Capitol Police. I still can't watch those images. I wrote a piece about this for my newsletter, Lucid. I can't watch the images of January 6th and those police officers being overwhelmed without feeling physically sick. Mm. I just can't. So seeing these images, um, they were a little different, but the fury, the the anger, the nihilism, and the fury of these rioters who wanted to wreck everything, it's really important, again, thinking about they had a 21-year dictatorship. They went to the three symbols, well, not only symbols, of the branches of government, the Supreme Court, the judiciary, the Congress, which is legislative, and the presidential palace, and they trashed them. Um, and and they were expressing their hatred and their refusal to accept this new democratic order. They want their cult leader back. And so that's why the personality cult part that can linger on after they leave office, it's, it's really important, and we haven't heard about it enough. I have a piece coming out in one hour in my newsletter about it because it's really quite key to all of this. So how do you deprogram people who are in the personality cult? Is that even possible? Should you? Is that a waste of time? Do you just work on sort of the institutional changes you need and accountability legally? I mean, I feel like it is hard to convince somebody who is in the, you know, MAGA base of facts. So do you, from your perspective, has that ever worked? Is it a waste of time? Should we stop trying? No, you should. You can't stop trying. um, Because and the thing to do, and, and it's very interesting that um, people who work on disinformation, who, who work on cults, or who work on like authoritarian leaders like I do, we all have the same conclusion that you can't shame them or judge them, even though, of course, we want to do that. They're racist. They're, they're violent. But if you push them away, um, let's say they're your family members or friends, they just go further into their tribe. Mm-hmm. So what all these experts recommend is you kind of keep them close. Maybe you don't talk about politics as much, but you don't break ties with them because sooner or later, and I could tell you this from history, these people do emerge. And what helps them to emerge is prosecution of their cult leader. Mm-hmm. And at first they're, they, they're angry and people are like, well, we can't prosecute Trump because there might be violence. Well, we already had January 6th, mm-hmm. like, hi. So so you that's the thing that kind of deflates the personality cult. Um, and that's why I recommend, I hope that that happens. Uh, in, in Bolsonaro's case, you know, he has plausible deniability because he went to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But there's massive demonstrations now all over Brazil calling for him to be held accountable because nobody's fooled by this. Right. I, I think it's such an important point. And you you also tweeted um, because one of the things that has developed this week is, you know, there's been a new Congress after drama of 15 rounds of voting. I mean, I think I feel even before Brazil happened, I was like, this is like almost too on the nose. Like historians are probably like 
freaking out because the, the chaos that we're watching on the House floor is happening basically on the anniversary of January mm-hmm. the 6th. I mean, obviously, Speaker McCarthy was sworn in right early January 7th, but all of that chaos, I mean, the almost fight is happening, violence on the House floor is happening on the, almost the anniversary of January 6th. And so the point about there already being violence, it's also like, oh, the, if we le- hold mm-hmm. people legally accountable, accountable, there will be violence. Like, I feel like we're missing the point. And you tweeted about the um, new House subcommittee um, that is basically going to invest like it's basically like an obstruction mm-hmm. of justice committee like they're going to like you know mm-hmm. look into ongoing FBI investigations how dangerous is something like that given the fact that Trump and any of the folks that participated in organizing January 6th they still haven't been held accountable yeah the whole purpose of it is to make sure those people are never brought to justice mm-hmm. and it's just yet yet another sign of the total complicity of the GOP in January 6th um, it's become, uh, you know, some months ago, I started like writing about what happens when a party becomes an autocratic party. You have to look who gets pushed out. And it's people like Liz Cheney, who, again, you know, far from being a total friend of democracy, let's say, you know, voted against the Voting Rights Act, but is for the rule of law, mm-hmm. you know, and she's pushed out Adam Kinzinger. And who's in, this is key, criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why has Kyle Rittenhouse become a celebrity? Because he killed people. <laughs> it's like that's his skill set, Kyle Rittenhouse, is they killed people. And all these people who were present at January 6th are being encouraged to run for office. And you have Oath Keepers and you have Proud Boys. These people are actually the politicians now, and they are dangerous government, anti government extremists. So, unfortunately, when you have criminals in power, then you need to shut down all ethics oversight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And authoritarianism, as I write in my book, is about getting away with it. And Trump was always the man who got away with everything, right? That's his glamour, is he got away with everything. So he... His values have become the party's values, and he, you know, led them into this crime, and now they have to shut any investigation down. That's what's going to be a whole bunch... I'm calling it garbage... There's going to be endless garbage about investigating the investigators, um, all kinds of things to distract from their own um, agenda of, you know, putting in white supremacy, you know, minoritarian rule. All of that is coming coming down the road. Oh, yeah. No. And I feel in some ways like the insurrection is ongoing, right? I mean, I feel like what you just talked about is simply just another manifestation of the same thing they were doing at the insurrection. It's just more polite it's not the violent way it's the legislative way or the way we set up a committee to investigate the fbi or it's happening at the local level and Mm. i I was so busy with with so many media things of brazil yesterday but i did tweet i saw something uh that oh dear i'm not even remembering the state um that five democratic um maybe new mexico uh five okay good five democratic Uh, officials have had their homes or offices shot at in the last like month. So this is the continuation of the insurgency. That's what Malcolm Nance always calls Mm -hmm. it, the insurgency. Um, And that, again, we have to, this was in the Washington Examiner, I think, but I think local news is another reason it's so important is that why isn't that a national story? But, you know, the New York Times didn't even put Paul, the attack on Pelosi, 
uh, above the fold. So there's a certain like, I don't know, we're still in this kind of denial about these things. Is um, it, I mean, from your vantage point as a, um, as a professor and a scholar, is it denial or is it something more sinister than that? Because when I, I mean, I don't, as somebody who's in the media, they're not neutral actors. They they want to say like, well, I'm, I'm objective, you know, all of these things, but people who write reporters, yeah. they are people. They exist, they exist in the world just the way we do. So I feel like in some ways the, the denial is intentional. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and yes, exactly. And, uh, it's not wanting to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get to people who uh, they, they want, this is goes back to the covering up crime. Um, they want to let criminals and racists and race crimes and hate crimes uh, be unaccounted, uh, you know, not held to accountability standards, not brought to justice. So in that sense, yeah, I, I think, I, I think I tweeted the other day also that, during this whole House Speaker drama, I was very frustrated because that was a time of a lot of media one-on-one interaction with politicians, GOP politicians. And I tweeted that every single time these people get Kevin McCarthy or Marjorie Taylor Greene in front of them, they have to ask them point blank on camera about January 6th. Mm -hmm. You have to hold them to their complicity in the violence. And now I understand that they have a different assignment. The assignment was a story about the speaker, <laughs> but it's a lost opportunity to force these people to, to, to come clean in front of and say, yeah, you know, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene would say, as she said in other publications, if I'd organized the coup, it would have worked and there would have been more arms. But hearing that on national television, especially ABC, CBS, where a lot of independent voters watch, Maybe that will wake people up who are, you know, they're not in denial. Perhaps they're just ignorant or they don't follow politics um, and see exactly what it means to have these extremists in power. It's such an important point. And it is crazy that she said that and that that wasn't <laughs> like the number one story. A sitting member of Congress said that if the erection, if the insurrection had been organized by her and her friends, they would have won. That's that's like an insane thing to say. And then she added yeah. it would have been armed. Like that was the, the yeah. extra point there on the end. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you this morning is in the last three minutes is whether or not the justice has been too delayed. Mm -hmm. If Merrick Garland this afternoon decides to indict Donald Trump or people around Donald Trump for what happened on January 6th or in any of these other cases, is it too late? No, it's never too late. And actually, if you look at um, when uh, leaders who have left office are prosecuted, sometimes it takes a few years. It usually does, actually. And I've been looking into that. I wrote about that a bit, but that's what le leads their personality cults to start to deflate. But it can take several years. Um, and it's still worth it because it does... Um, ruin their prestige. And above all, it shows that they are not omnipotent. They are not sent by God to rule. They are mortals like everyone else, and they could be held accountable to the same standards. So it's really important whenever it comes.
it is really important. I would like it to come <laughs> at some point. I really would. I really would like um, for God. there to be legal accountability. I'm not saying that if, you know, you don't have the evidence to charge, you know, to, char- you know, charge just because, but I feel like we have so much and there is a whole pile of it. And I feel like, I mean, we, we've, we've had Michael Cohen on the show. When I talked to Michael Cohen about how he had to sit in solitary confinement in a real jail for a crime that is like one of the little basic minor ones. It's like one of them really minor ones. It's not full insurrection. I mean, his crime was financial mm-hmm. um, about like taking out a home equity line that wasn't paid. Like it, it's so it's super technical campaign finance. And he was in solitary in real jail. And then I feel like there has to be insurrectionists um, all the way up to the planners that also have to face that accountability. Yeah. And the, the so the GOP is engaged in, they're terrified and they're engaged in a massive criminal cover-up because they're all involved. So many more people in institutions, et cetera, are involved. And Mark Meadows should not be walking around. Certainly Steve Bannon should not be walking around. And so, and it's really hard because right now, Elon Musk, who's the friend of all, he's a fascist troll and he's replatforming all these people, Michael Flynn, all the conspirators, my, Roger Stone, they've all gotten their Twitter accounts back. And so that mainstreams them at the very moment where we need them to be held accountable. Such an important point. I did see that Michael Flynn was back on Twitter um, on January 6th, I believe. Was, They're all was back. Nazis are, yeah, Nazis are Nazis back. Nazis are back, it's, definitely. Uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good at all, but it's important for us to understand it so we know what we're dealing with. Professor Ruth Ben-Yat, fascism expert and also author of the book Strongmen. Thank you so much for being here, as always, to help talk talk us through this not unprecedented moment, but maybe for us (laughs) here in the United States. I'm like learning um, so much from you about what to do here since we're in this moment post-insurrection. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure to talk this stuff through with you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Please stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlinette. Check in for new episodes every weekday.